We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I am Grayson. And today we are wrapping up our month of sequels. February is coming to a close, you all. I can't believe it. It's over? Well, I guess February is the shortest month, so we should have seen this coming. Yeah, we should have, but we didn't. Uh, (laughs) But we are wrapping up our month of sequels with the sequel to Rush Hour. Rush Hour 2. So I shouldn't have watched Attack of the Clones. No, 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 no. Did I miss it? I missed it, didn't I? I feel like I missed I am, it. I'm so sorry. Well, here's the thing. Uh, your clone, uh, exact clone, uh, Scott Nicewander, took care mm. of it. So Yeah, we have the same hair. <laughs> really appreciate Scott stepping in, and uh, it was super helpful awesome job and my one thing i want to say about attack of the clones because i watched the movie but didn't get to record about it i think if you start the movie 40 minutes in when (laughs) obi-wan kenobi lands on camino then uh it's a much better movie i'm just gonna say that start 40 minutes in when he lands on the water base just go from there it's a cooler reveal whenever he takes his hood off and says obi-wan kenobi and you don't miss anything with anakin you get it so just do that all right rush hour two thank you thanks for that (laughs) yep so we are reviewing a rush hour two the sequel to the first rush hour (laughs) that's interesting i I always viewed it as a prequel to the third rush hour a lot of people see it that way and when i say a lot of people i mean i think that's a completely new sentence that has ever been said (laughs) A oh, Rush Hour 2, the prequel to Rush Hour 3? Yeah, no, I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Rush Hour uh, came out in 1998, and then following the success of that one, uh, Rush Hour 2 came out in 2001, and uh, before we get into our review, we're going to give you guys a little bit of history. There's not a ton of production history online about the making of the movie, uh, but there is this really interesting fact about its release. It was, prior to its official theatrical release, uh, Rush Hour 2 premiered on July 26th on an airplane from Los Angeles to Hong Kong. What? It was, it was yeah, it, it premiered on a flight from Los Angeles to Hong Kong, and it was renamed the Rush Hour Express. So I would assume that they just kept it looping for the whole flight. <laughs> Not this again. <laughs> Uh, but that's the major uh, bit of production history as far as historics go. Um, this is the most successful Rush Hour franchise movie. Um, the first Rush Hour, uh, box office-wise, uh, it was very successful. It garnered $141 million uh, over the course of its release, uh, and it's uh, and it had a budget of $33 million. So it made a lot of money. Then Rush Hour 2 uh, said, hey, that's adorable. And <laughs> then with a budget of 90000 not 1000 $90 million, uh, <laughs> they grossed $226 million worldwide. Uh, so it's the most successful of the series. Uh, it was... Uh, 
It's the prequel to Rush Hour 3, um, which did not do as well because it came out six years later. It came out in 2007, but it is roughly estimated that it had a budget of what it ended up making, which was $140 million. So you say it came out six, seven years after the after Rush Hour 2? Mm-hmm. So this one, it feels like it, it takes place immediately after Rush Hour 1. Yeah, narrative. Like this is the plane that they were on at the end of the first one, right? Yeah. So yeah. do they continue that in Rush Hour 3? Because it's my understanding that Rush Hour 3, they're in Paris, but at the end of the second one, they talk about how they're going to go to New York and see Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I um, I don't know. Uh, I did not watch Rush Hour 3. <laughs> um, but uh, from my understanding... It's not the exact same time jump because I know it's supposed to be four days time have passed from rush hour one to rush hour two. I do know that. All right. Yeah. Um, Another um, interesting fact is uh, Don Cheadle's appearance in the movie uh, happened for this reason because uh, Don Cheadle is Don Cheadle and he can make these kinds of request uh he agreed to do this movie only if he got to fight jackie chan and speak chinese i mean it's good to have standards <laughs> yeah like i mean some people you know they have a a writer you know a list of just requirements for them showing up to places um mm-hmm. don Cheadle's the only person who i know who has fighting jackie chan as one of the things on there <laughs> That uh, was maybe my favorite scene in the movie. Uh, so, if I'm being honest, it was amazing. Uh, I especially when you when you don't expect the Cheadle to show up, and yeah. he just drops in and delivers this gift. Yeah, he's just like, "Hey, Merry Christmas!" But it's March. Merry Christmas, and it's just like, "Thank you, Don Cheadle." I don you with blessings, from Don <laughs> Cheadle. Oh, so good. Yes. Hey, Vicky. <laughs> hey, Grayson. What do, you, what do you call it when Don Cheadle makes a cameo? What? What do you call it? Don in 60 seconds. <laughs> you did it. All right. Enough of that. <laughs> Another interesting thing uh, about this movie is that this movie, uh, and I remember this from my childhood, is the movie that Ludacris' hit song, Area Codes, that premieres five minutes and three seconds into the Rush Hour 2 movie came out and it was released for the Rush Hour 2 soundtrack. Um, and it debuted on the Billboard Hot 100 at 84. So it was a chart topper in the mm. top 100. Um, and then it r- r- made its rise to uh, number 24 later in the year. So, yeah, I, I, I remember watching this music video like on all the countdown shows that no longer exist because my youth is behind me. Um, but things like 106 and Park and uh, TRL, that sort of thing. Like I remember watching this and Ludacris and like the music, it was one of those things where the music video would be partly like rap music video and then part clips of the movie. Just mm-hmm. complete out of context clips. Just like, Hey, remember this is from rush hour. You should go see it. And Last little bit of trivia that I have uh, is that the counterfeit dollar bills used in the movie say, in dog, we trust. 
just because it was, of course, counterfeit. Um, but a bit of snafu happened on set. Uh, some extras walked off set with some of the fake money. Uh, and they did it, not read the script. <laughs> clearly not. They said, okay, let's see, fake money. Oh, these are really good. This this movie is about like really good counterfeits. Let's just take this down to the casino. Um, and actually, it got so out of control that production was shut down because FBI came in and subjected the props department to an investigation to determine whether or not they violated the Counterfeit Deterrence Act of 1992. Interesting. Uh, so did anyone get arrested for having the fake money? Not to my knowledge. Just FBI got involved. Yeah, FBI got involved. Well, yeah, they stopped production because they had to make sure that people didn't need to be arrested. Wow. Yeah. Quick question, Ricky. When you yeah. go to an exotic vacation, like mm-hmm. when you go on vacation to this amazing place like Hong Kong, yeah. when you're used to L.A., what's the first thing you do when you land in the new country? Um, Find a translator? Mm. Or actually, mm. I, or find my luggage. Probably my luggage is the first thing. Well, um, yeah, that's good. What's the first thing you do? Well, I mean... If I'm like Carter, Chris Tucker's character, I probably shave because <laughs> at the end of the first movie, he had a goatee, and in this one, not as much, and only four days have passed. This is the only movie that has Chris Tucker sans goatee. So if the third one, which neither of us have seen, nor did research on, takes place immediately after this one... <laughs> It means he grew it back on the flight to New York. Yep. Slash Paris. Mm-hmm. Slash we'll watch it eventually. Yep. <laughs> Three Buary. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately regretted it. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and get into uh, our reactions to the movie. So, uh, Grayson, do you remember seeing this movie in theaters? I remember seeing this movie for the first time last night. <laughs> oh man, so this movie, man, like I I forgot how much I love this movie. This movie was like a pivotal movie going experience uh for me because in uh in the early 2000s like I was just in and around my teen year so i could i could see pg-13 movies and it felt like i was on top of the world um and i remember watching that movie and just laughing hysterically uh just like so many of chris tucker's lines was just gold to me and i just I just loved, I love this movie. And I, I laughed way more at like towards the end of it because I just, I just remember, I remember loving these scenes. And I remember there are things that I didn't realize was happening uh, because like today is when I watched it, like at the time of us recording it. Uh, my wife had to explain to me what was happening in one scene because... Uh, is that scene where Jackie Chan is, uh, or his character is, um, kissing the, uh, I forget the character's name, but the girl who has the bomb. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he has the bomb in his mouth, and she has the detonator. So he's trying to get his face close to her face so that she won't push the button and blow both their heads off. Yeah. I just found that out. Just figured it out today because my wife had to tell me. I'm like, so what's kissing going to do? Like, why? What's kissing? (laughs) She'll fall in love and not want to hit the button. Yeah, I was just like, yeah. is, is, is it cooties? Is it, she's like, oh, no, cooties. I can't press this button. What's cooties? Yeah, I thought uh, that was super smart from a story perspective. Yeah. It was or just like oh, a that, way of getting out of a situation. That was just oh, so, so well done. Uh, but overall, uh, I I really, I just, I I was just so thrilled by this movie. Uh, I rewatched the original trailer, and I thought this movie was going to be way more racist uh based off of the trailer because the trailer is just like hey chris tucker's in hong kong and chinese people live in hong kong like that like that was the trailer that was it yeah it was just a whole bunch of things and a lot of insensitivities being made but like watching the movie i'm like oh oh good I was worried I was going to have to not enjoy this movie. I mean, there's uh, still a fair amount of insensitivity going on. Oh, absolutely. Because I didn't watch the trailer, and I had, I had girded my loins after seeing Rush Hour 1, being like, all right, that was the 80s. That's different. Yeah. This is... no, that was the 90s, Grayson. Oh, that's right. It just felt like the 80s. <laughs> it was 1998. There you go. Still has an 8 in it. Um... It was the 80s, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, then there's no excuse. <laughs> I was like, it's 2001. It's, you know, new millennium. We're going to be fine. I was shocked. Yeah. Well, I was shocked, too. The The thing that I think <laughs> it was just because I watched the trailer that it didn't <laughs> hit me as hard. Um, but there were I think the, the interesting thing that I think they did um, was that there was there was a a really cool relationship between Chris Tucker's character and Jackie Chan's character where it felt like anything that Chris Tucker said, Jackie Chan would say as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like just the, their little back and forth, like uh, the whole, do you understand the words are coming out of my mouth? Like that kind of thing. Or um, I will, I will knock you back to the Zhang dynasty. It's like, I'll right. knock you back to Africa. It's just like different, like those kind of back and forth just like yeah. between them. It felt more uh, in good naturedness among friends. I'm yeah. not justifying it. I'm just saying <laughs> right. because I watched the trailer, I'm just like, yikes. And then seeing this, I'm like, oh, okay. It makes mm-hmm. sense between those two characters. Yeah. If this, I think this incarnation feels more like a stand up set of like, have you ever noticed the difference between Hong Kong and Los Angeles? Like that kind of <laughs> yeah. premise. Um, whereas the first one, I it was much more one-sided. Yeah. Uh, of Chris Tucker just like making those observations and those comments. But you're right. Like the parody now, parody mm-hmm. with an A, I, and a T, um, <laughs> is uh, it balances it out a little more. And the, and then just like the chemistry, the uh, a lot of the research I found in this movie particularly is just like how awesome Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan like worked well together just as actors. Mm-hmm. Um, like he didn't want to make a fool of himself in front of Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. So like he worked out a lot to try to 
like at least step up his game when it came to uh, a lot of the the fighting and the fighting choreography um and that he would work with jackie chan to like help him with his lines and help him with deliveries and let him know anytime he was uh flubbing any kind of like colloquialisms that sort of thing Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really cool to see because i mean especially watching this movie like you really i felt like this movie and the franchise uh, or i guess the pair at the time when i saw uh one and two it felt more so like this was like about their friendship like we were watching like friends who were cops who were like helping each other out like on their cases it was just it was just fun it was really fun like that pair is just so much fun to see and i just fell in love with jackie chan all over again like i feel like jackie chan could i feel like he would destroy jason Bourne in a fight just like because like jason Bourne's just like oh well i use the things around me jackie chan's like ha that's cute uh i'm gonna disarm you and i'm gonna be amazing at it like i watched this little mini documentary um or i guess a video essay about jackie chan and how to do action comedy um Mm. it will be in the show notes um it'll probably be on our social media watch it for yourself it's amazing because jackie chan's career goes so far back and he is such an entertaining fighter because he knows how to because um, the the common theme with all of his fight scenes is that he always starts at a disadvantage, so huh. he he doesn't win the fights because he's the strongest, but he just never stops. He's just so resilient and he just keeps on fighting. So even in the these fights that he does win, the payoff is great because he doesn't stop. Just like like oh his hands are tied together and he has a bomb in his mouth he never stopped moving (laughs) like he never stopped like he like even the whole like kissing thing or like him bringing Mm -hmm. his face closer to the other person who he wouldn't hit the button like it just all like there was so much tension um and like you were on the edge of your seat (laughs) just like watching all these people kick this little device around like someone pick that up like i felt that tension Um, and because like Jackie Chan just, he just knows he's so good. So in improv, we have the concept of finding the game of the scene and Mm -hmm. it's kind of the heart of what's making the action tick. And I think Jackie Chan's fight sequences, not just in the rush hour movies, but in like Shanghai noon and nights and any, anything he does really, he finds the game of the fight. And mm. that's where you you get those really memorable fight scenes. Like he's got a bomb in his mouth, but they're kicking the detonator around. Yep. Um, he he also does it in the environment that they have. So setting is such an important thing for every single fight. Like the fact that it was in Vegas allows him to do the amazing uh, slide through that teller window there, where that's that's not a stunt that you get to do just anywhere. Um, where you're able to utilize that space. Um, but it's amazing, too, as a performer, that he's able to give it his all every single take, even though he just hurt himself very badly a couple takes ago. Seriously. And that's the other thing. And we, we've we talked about this last time, <laughs> pretty sure, when we uh, were reviewing the first Rush Hour. Uh, but, like, watching Jackie Chan um, do his own stunts... Uh, there's something about just seeing 
and knowing that the actor is doing their own stunts that makes you feel that sense of like tension and you're like mm-hmm. really rooting for them to do so much more like when he started climbing like that bamboo uh structure I was oh like, yeah um what i'm just looking at everyone who's just like climbing that thing i'm like they're gonna get themselves hurt and then jackie chan's <laughs> just like throwing people down i'm like this is fantastic we saw that person leave from that height and fall down like it wasn't just like two angles or anything. It was just like no, we we saw that person fall. Like that's amazing. Yeah. What's all, what's really amazing is that the studios are willing to let him do that. <laughs> right. Something goes wrong and you're out of star. You're out of movie and out millions of dollars. Yeah. But it's more authentic and it works. And I think it's the reason why there's been so many Mission Impossible movies too. Just because like Tom Cruise has a very similar mentality when it comes to stunts. It's like, yeah, you might have CGI around it, but the action itself is real and authentic. And uh, and Chris Tucker in this movie, I think, I'm telling you, like the last half of the movie, <laughs> which I was joking, jokingly saying uh, when I was watching it with my, with my spouse was... <laughs> When he's like, ah, oh, you guys gotta go back to LA. I'm just like, well, that's all we had in the budget for Hong Kong, everyone. <laughs> uh, but when they, uh, when they were back in LA, like Chris Tucker just had me in stitches the entire time. Like that last scene with Lee when he was going up against Ricky, and he's like, ah, oh, nah, Lee, he went too far. Shoot him! Shoot him, Lee! <laughs> just kept on egging him on the entire time he's just like uh all you gotta do is pull the trigger and bang it's done and then he's just like taunting him not only you don't gotta worry about anything it's just you and me up here shoot him it's just i i love that scene like just chris tucker's delivery on like it felt it felt so much like um like he was the a lot of the audience i felt like chris tucker a lot of chris tucker's lines that landed the best were when he was like the audience like when chris tucker was about to chase after uh lee when he was going up the bamboo structure Mm -hmm. he said oh no hey lee i'm gonna take the stairs (laughs) (laughs) i love that i just i just i loved it it was just so much uh so much comedy just in his it felt like his authentic reaction yeah it's just I mean, so great totally much in the way that jackie chan does his own stunts chris tucker does his own jokes yeah oh yeah he does well he uh he sometimes would frustrate jackie chan uh because he would improvise so many of his lines mm-hmm. so many of them because um Jack chan because english isn't his first language he he would have to study his lines and Chris's oh, line. So he that would, would be just like so frustrating. <laughs> he would get so upset. I was just you can see the frustration in the um the outtakes too when oh. Chris Tucker keeps calling him Jackie. <laughs> and you go, Jackie. Hey, and you go, Chris Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on, Jackie, get down the door. He said like multiple times. Don Cheetle even is like, his name is it Lee. Is Lee. <laughs> now, one thing that very careful observers and listeners of Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast might have noticed is that this is actually the second movie featuring Joel McKinnon Miller. 
better known as Scully from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Ricky, pop quiz. Can you name the other movie? I and can. And also, can you name the the role that he played in this one? Uh, yes. Uh, the movie was Man on the... No. Uh, I was just about to say... Oh, you're I'm so about close. To go. I know. Uh, wait for it, because I can only see... You got the right la- uh, right lead, yeah. I know, but I can only imagine the poster for Bruce Almighty, because this is the exact same color scheme. Truman Show. <laughs> Truman Show, uh, that is correct. Yeah, and uh, he was the uh, the Texan guy, the guy with the big Texas hat. Yeah, at the craps table. So, But I yeah. saw him, I was like, it's Scully! Oh, man. Yeah, and uh, who else? There's someone else in this movie who I recognize, and I couldn't figure it out. Don Cheadle. <laughs> Man, That's that guy looks name. a lot like Don Cheadle. <laughs> there he goes. He even spells yeah. his name the same way. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> hey, have you guys ever known? <laughs> I wonder how Don Cheadle felt about this Don Cheadle impersonator being in this movie under his name. I don't think he cared for it one bit. <laughs> Let's go ahead and dive right on into Head Cannon. Head Cannon. <laughs> been a while Two. since i've done it like that <laughs> Two headcanons. <laughs> uh headcanon is a part of the show where we share unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film and i mainly want to launch into this headcanon because my only bit of headcanon is that that's scully that is scully uh oh yeah that's that's scully um <laughs> i mean it could have been undercover investigating the triad we just never saw that investigation why didn't I think of that? He works at the nine nine. Oh yeah, because he uh, he's terrible at his job at the nine nine. So I well, he started as a security guard in the Truman Show, and then he uh-huh. got the opportunity to do this undercover thing. He blew it because of Carter and Lee, and so he got uh, a desk job, just desk assignment uh, in New York. They took him out of the field. That's really solid. I mean, my only other piece of headcanon is that uh, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan are the best of friends. They share the same friendship. <laughs> my headcanon, uh, I'm going to do it, that Rush Hour takes place in the same universe as Silence of the Lambs. You got that from that? I don't think it needs any explanation. I mean, it's just right there. I thought you were going to say it. <laughs> You've seen Silence of the Lambs, right? No. No? Not all the way through. I've seen, I feel like, enough clips of it and enough parodies of it, surprisingly mm-hmm. from the Animaniacs. Of, that uh, is surprising, to, yeah. To know what it's about. But I've never actually seen the movie uh, from uh, logos to credits. It's a good way to describe a movie rather than like a book that's cover to cover. Yeah. From logos of credits, you know. Wow. Um, so the reason for it is in Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter, uh, and then the second movie they had was Hannibal, and then they came out with Red Dragon, which follows a, a different serial killer but is all connected to the same world. Red Dragon is the name of the casino that opens uh, at the end of the movie of Rush Hour 2, um, and so I saw that connection. I was like, Red Dragon, that's, I mean, I guess that's like general enough that it could be 
a different thing, except that Red Dragon came out the year after Rush Hour 2 and was also directed by Brett Ratner. Well, that just holds up. This is Brett Ratner's Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, you know what? You're right. Also in the sense that Rush Hour and Silence of the Lambs are titles that have very little to do about the plot. (laughs) You're right. Yeah, and uh, the only time that they were ever in traffic uh, was when they were walking around naked uh, in Hong Kong, which was a scene that they just had to... like They didn't block that scene. They couldn't get the street locked off, so they just shot it in traffic. Mm-hmm. That that was just a real take of them like in traffic. Oh, yeah, that is the only time. <laughs> yeah? I was like... Rush Hour felt more like Rush 90 Minutes. You're just, you're knocking it out the park, Grace. I, I should have, I should have said it in this voice. <laughs> to, be, to be perfectly honest. I gotta separate myself. Myself. Remember Don in 60 Seconds? That was a good one. That was a different guy who said that. <laughs> I guess, like, since you opened that up, it it reminds me how like there are subtle clues but like rush hour there's evidence to prove that rush hour also takes place in the same universe as the revenant um if you look closely um they the, kill a bunch of exterior. horses in the background <laughs> well just the structure of the red dragon and like mm. you know um vegas as a whole there's just a lot of horse structures and lots of uh you know water displays and lights I see. Caesar's Palace, Trojan Horse. Yep. Horses in the Revenant. I see. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Although how the Romans and the Trojans and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio are all connected, that's a different podcast that I have not listened to. Because <laughs> we haven't made it yet, Grayson. Because mm. we haven't made it yet. I see. All right, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to share with you uh, our nominations for Recast and Remake. Uh, This is the part of the show where we talk about uh, if this movie were to be made today, who would we recast and what would the remake storyline be all about? Um, And since uh, our review of Rush Hour uh, brought the demise of the spinoff series Rush Hour, um, now we are free to imagine whatever we want it to be Hmm, that's Uh, true well for the recast i would just say um you know those two actors that i said when we did rush hour (laughs) i totally remember what it was just go back and listen to them so i don't have to say it again Mm -hmm. I, i don't know yeah uh they they've been in talks of doing like a rush hour for but I, I highly doubt that they will actually do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were talks like shortly after Rush Hour 3 came out. But I, as we said before, it didn't perform as well. Um, the only thing I can imagine like as a any kind of remake or recasting of Rush Hour is for them to just reboot the... Um, just reboot the film franchise because I think that rush hour works very well 
in a movie format. I I don't I just don't think that the the hour long uh, procedural type type dramedy yeah uh, works well for just what the movie is because so much of the movie is the relationship between Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Uh, and I feel like the second movie solidified that even more than the first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like it's you just need to find um, a, a pairing of people who just have that kind of chemistry. Um, and one of them being Jackie Chan. It's just tough. It's just really tough yeah. to imagine someone else uh, fill that role because I, I can't think of any other um, action actor um who can do what Jackie Chan does because he's just so committed to his craft and he's so one of a kind. So it's, it's tough. Um, that's why my nomination is to just make an animated, uh, movie franchise <laughs> with Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan and they do it forever. And we get to see just Jackie Chan just be immortalized in animation. Yeah. Much like he will be in the Lego Ninjago movie. Yes. To continue the Rush Hour franchise, I, I don't know how realistic it is to like expect the actors to perform at the same level. I mean, it's, it's only 16 years ago from Rush Hour 2, but you know, a lot can happen. Um, so I, I'd like to see a, a story where Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker are now... <laughs> Uh, they're now like teachers at the police academy and they're two up and coming very different police officers that they each take under their wing to kind of mentor um, and they uh, want them to apply the this police fraternity and they only have one hour to rush each of these fraternities then the title will finally make sense to me as to why they call it rush hour <laughs> Oh, that is great. That's real good. Ooh, you know what? You know who could actually... Uh, I just, I'm just... Uh, got words. <laughs> uh, someone who just came to mind, a very physical actor who I know of is uh, Damon Wayans Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's more flexible than, like, a fight choreography type person. Sure. But he, he But he would be my nomination for someone who can be a Chris Tucker like character, but still have a lot of physicality to it. I think him doing fight uh, scenes would be a lot of fun because he can like dance really, really well Mm -hmm. and he can do like all kinds of flips. Like pretty much every show I've seen him on somehow the script finds a way to make him do some kind of backflip or some kind of like super intricate dance. Yeah. No, I mean, and ultimately though, I don't want to recast either of them. I would love to see another rush hour where they are like the ages that they're they are now, but they act like this also took place like four or five days after after the yeah. movie before it. <laughs> yeah, it, it happens like within forty eight hours. Um, they retire. <laughs> Chris Tucker's just like I've been on vacation a very long time. I think that was such a funny. I just love how Chris Tucker just unapologetically from both movies just took the money. Mm-hmm. He just took the money. No, man, enjoy yourself. Have you ever wanted to go somewhere? Are you circulating illegal money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll figure it out. We're, we're cops. It's fine. Flashback to headcanon. 
Chris Tucker is the leader of the triad. <gasps> I would no here. Let me say this. This would be great. I would just love for them to start doing. Um, and this is just a completely out of left field. Um, maybe I said this last time. I would love to see a uh, Rush Hour video game. Mm. Um, like I think that would be the the perfect way. Like Rush Hour Four is just a video game. You know what? Uh, it same is voice actors. Yeah, I I think it's just begging to be part of Lego Dimensions. To be totally honest, because you look at the franchises that they use, they use like original Ghostbusters, the Night Rider, Gremlins. Night Rider to me is the one that is the farthest out of left field. No, Knight but Rider? you know what? It makes total sense because like Back to the Future's in there. They have harnessed. It's brilliant. They're not going for just the kids. They recognize that when we were kids. We created a lifelong emotional connection to Legos while simultaneously connecting to the intellectual property of these other shows. And they realized those kids grew up, got jobs, made money, and want to spend it on things that they like. (laughs) So they combine the two and we just throw the money at the middle of that Venn diagram. I know I have. It's a problem. (laughs) yeah no that would be great i would love i personally would love like it, it's part like you you play either as uh carter or lee mm-hmm. and when you play as carter it's like gta like grand theft auto and then you play as, as lee it's like batman arkham asylum where you just start <laughs> unleashing all these combos on all these different people and you just start shattering spines just fluid fighting in best. a circle yeah just fluid fighting and then like depending on what object you're next to you like hit a certain combination and then you just start it just unlocks this like sequence of you like moving this rug and having like this dance fight with all these other people like i would love that that'd be amazing i think the time to have done a rush hour uh video game was when everyone was super psyched about like uh wii technology and using like the motion capture of it uh back when people were willing to stand up to do wii fitness and (laughs) Not just do it from their couches. Now I'll play tennis sitting down. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be good. Or the other thing would be just an audio play, just like a like a <laughs> like a like a Welcome to Night Vale esque like audio drama of just uh, <laughs> Chris Tucker and uh, Jackie Chan. See, I was picturing it voiced by like Stephen Fry. <laughs> that's right i just want rush hour four novelized um uh rush hour four bangkok and dangerous um i don't watch and... those kind of movies <laughs> uh but just as a novelized uh audio play uh read by stephen fry mm-hmm. the yeah. triads had hit the street again chapter one uh, terrible Stephen Fry. Sound nothing like Stephen Fry. It was barely British. Um, I think it opens on. There you go. War, ooh, yeah. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. And then Carter says, "Come on, Lee, come on." I think I think Nailed the comic it. timing is is perfect. It's spot on. If we could touch on the video game thing one more time, it may have a resurgence in VR, though, because the fighting style is so environment-based. If you were able to use the environments to fight, that would be incredible. Yes. Of course, you'd probably have people punching their TVs out. 
Worth it. It wasn't a real TV. <laughs> oh, that would be so great. A man like, wiped out to... his whole family playing the Rush Hour game on <laughs> VR. All right, now we're going to wrap up our review uh, with our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Rush Hour 2 Full Throttle? <laughs> I would recommend uh, Rush Hour 2 The Russianing because... <laughs> It, it does a great job at continuing the energy from the first one. It's so easy, especially when you have a movie that was filmed in the 80s and then takes place <laughs> in the 2000s. Even though it, it was three years apart uh, from 1998 to 2001, it's, I mean, that that's a long time to put something on hold and then pick it up again. So I don't know how that's when they were released for each one. I don't know how quickly they started filming the next one, but it feels like it's part of the same story to where it wasn't such a huge leap for me uh, to believe that it was four days after, except for the fact that they're such close friends and Chris Tucker doesn't have a goatee. I, I, I can see how that story continues and they do a great thing uh, with locations that is crucial for sequels. Uh, so whenever you have a sequel that is so location-based, like the first Rush Hour was, you have to do the fish out of water reversed. Uh, much like how Jackie Chan was the fish out of water in the first one, now Chris Tucker gets to fill that role uh, and flip the script in that way. Uh, and I think the choice to do multiple locations, it's not just... Hong Kong, it's not just LA, but it's Vegas as well, gives it a very definitive act structure that you buy into each 30-minute chunk because it feels more episodic uh, rather than just dragging on a, uh, a tedious storyline uh, in an action film, which is something so many action films do that you're just like, I don't, I don't even remember what the original problem was. They clue you in enough times throughout the story to really connect to it and understand why they are fighting uh, so that every fight has meaning and carries into the next scene, into the next act to create a cohesive uh, hour and a half action comedy that has a core. Very good. Uh, Yeah, I would just, man, I probably said this the first time when we reviewed... (laughs) When we reviewed uh, Rush Hour 1, um, or Rush Hour Begins. Um, the Great Rush. <laughs> uh, this movie uh, just is a gift, and that gift is Jackie Chan. Like, um, it's so interesting to know. Like, So Rush Hour was the first franchise uh, where Jackie Chan was a lead... Uh, role saying his own lines of dialogue Mm -hmm. um and he that wasn't dubbed i should say um and he just did so much and he just constantly gives his all in all these scenes and um it's such a fun movie and it's so funny like i i laugh so hard watching this movie Mm. uh and it's it's fun and it it feels like it is a an action comedy for people who love like action movies because like again like Chris Tucker just I feel like he just provides that voice for the audience that just is 
the voice of reason and reality like if someone were to be in that situation like what would they really say like mm-hmm. if they weren't the super awesome action hero what would they say just like no i'm gonna take the stairs <laughs> things <laughs> like that like uh i i just love it. it's a great pairing and uh it's i would highly recommend it just for the combination of uh chris tucker and jackie chan because there there's chemistry and like the way that the writing just gives them uh so many opportunities to play to their strengths it's just uh just a treat to your eyes and ears yeah that's great also i would recommend this to any star wars fans so (laughs) that uh just watch rush hour but imagine that Chris Tucker is R2-D2 and Jackie Chan is C-3PO. And I think it holds up. We haven't reviewed the fifth element yet, Grayson. Well, I have to see the first four elements first. Oh, yeah. No, you you will not know what's happening. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to jump in on the fifth element. (laughs) Crazy. All right. And that is our final review for Febtuary or Sequelary or Feb... Quill. <laughs> Someone suggested Feb Quill, and I just I loved it. Um, let us know what you uh, remember about Rush Hour, or share your favorite moments about Rush Hour Two on Twitter or Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks, and we would love it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. It lets people know that this is the podcast uh, that dedicates a whole month. Uh, to movie sequels and coming up with sequel related puns for the month of February. Uh, leave us a review, letting us know uh, on a scale of Monopoly money to high quality counterfeit money. What did you think of the review? Or on a scale of one to ten Don Cheadle puns. <laughs> It could be anything from Dawn in 60 Seconds, that one's free, to Dawn Girl, to Dawn with the Wind. Also, Dawn doesn't just have to replace the word gone. It could be a Dawn for the homonym Dawn, like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. But you know how you're spelling it in your head. You're spelling it like Don Cheadle's name. Yeah, like Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Dawn of Justice, where he comes in as Iron Patriot and (laughs) really wrecks some shop. And we're going to be back next time with another retro movie review for you. So be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind and rewind.